1: Hello and welcome to Where To Go. I'm James Atkinson, Senior Brand Manager at DKI Witness.
0: And I'm Lucy Richards, Senior Editor at DKI Witness.
1: And welcome to Where To Go, where every fortnight we find out more about the world's favourite travel destinations with those who know those places best. And today we have a real expert, uh, you know, someone who kind of knows their destination inside and out, has been there so, so many times, has written about it so much, um, But first, let's talk a little bit about the destination. So we're going to Croatia.
0: Yes, yes,
1: Croatia. So Croatia, I'm sure many listeners have been there before, but it is quite a sort of country of different parts, really. It Mm. kind of spans that kind of whole central to southern band of, of Europe where mm. you've got kind of um Slovenia and Italy in the north, you've then got and across the sea obviously as well. Yes. And then you've got kind of like uh you know countries like Albania, Macedonia, etc. But further south. You've got Hungary, sort of Eastern Europe to the east as well. There's there's kind of it's a it's a melting pot of Europe really. There's mm. a lot going on there. And you know people will know its beaches will know um Dubrovnik uh, and Split. Dubrovnik, Split, maybe some of the islands too. But yeah. I think there's a lot more to explore there. There's a lot of national parks. There's um, uh, there's a lot of countryside as well. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, have you ever been before, Lucy? I've only
0: been to Pula. So that's a city. That's an ancient city in Istria. Mm. Um, so it's very. It, it's got a lot, of, a lot of Roman ruins and Italian mm. influences. And loved it. But I'm ashamed to say I've never actually been to. Sort of Zagreb, the capital, or Dubrovnik. It's it's really only Pula. Whereas I feel like you, James, you have travelled more around Croatia than I have.
1: But more again, more towards the south. So um yeah. uh, uh so I've been to Dubrovnik. Exit uh well once deliberately, once almost accidentally. Um <laughs> so the second time I was cycling and uh, we started in Dubrovnik and then we uh, rode into Mostar in Bosnia. Um yeah. uh, so went kind of through. Um, through the Croatian border into Herzegovina, and uh, um, and uh, that was like really, really stunning to get out of Dubrovnik, see the countryside around it. Dubrovnik itself is such a stunning city. I yeah. mean, uh, I think it's not it, a long time ago it, it stopped being a, a kind of like Europe, sort of like best kept secret in a way it's um
0: so, yes
1: uh you know it does get quite busy i'd say high season now is, is quite it's quite tricky there there's a hell of a lot of uh i mean <laughs> sadly a lasting memory is game of thrones tours you just see them <laughs> everywhere i mean nothing no shade <laughs> on game reference fans at all um but it's uh um you know and it's kind of nice that people can see the city through that lens as well but it is a city that you know it's got this these kind of orange rooftops uh, incredible walls like medieval fortress walls that go around it there's a really great uh, uh, bar that I can't remember the name of it which is one of my favourite bars I've ever been to in the world where it's like built into the cliff face and it just looks straight out into the sea um yeah, it's, uh, there, there's still enough, even though it's a small, small city, there's still a few like, little hidden gems around it. But then you get out of it into Croatia, certainly on the cycle ride, and you see all of these like little villages, all mm. of these kind of, um, I, I mean, we're going to hear a lot about it. I, I don't think yes. I can do it as yes. much justification to it as possible. But you suddenly feel like you're in kind of like the Dolomites or Italy, or like um uh it's so hilly, so kind of... um uh so many like kind of like small little kind of cultures and yeah I've even heard there's there's bears <laughs> out there as well so <laughs> yeah. um uh but I'm gonna stop rambling because well,
0: well so you have touched on the fact that we've got someone on who knows about all of those hidden corners and knows so much more beyond Dubrovnik so we have got the brilliant Mary Novakovich coming on
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So Mary's been a journalist for more than 30 years, focusing on travel since 1999. She's written about places far and wide for the likes of The Guardian, Telegraph, Independent and Evening Standard. And her book, My Family and Other Enemies, Life and Travels in Croatia's Hinterland, which is all about her Croatian heritage, is actually out today in the UK. Amazing. So, welcome Mary. Hello.
1: Welcome Mary huge privilege to have you join us on your publication. It's
2: wonderful to be here.
1: So we'll start things off with an intro to Mary, uh, followed by exploring her deep connection and family heritage in Croatia, then on to those all-important recommendations on where to go in the country. Uh, We'll then hear at the end what the present day is like in Croatia, and yeah, so should we get to it? Let's go. Let's do it. So, listener, you may have noticed a little bit of a change in my audio throughout this episode. As happens, as seems to have happened a bit in the series, I don't know why. Uh, uh, I had a slight technical issue where my my recording stopped recording. Uh, Thankfully, we have backups. So yes, hopefully it won't be too different for you.
0: So, Mary, I found it really hard to put down your um book this week. Um I've had to I've sort of been dipping in and in and out around my emails and I like, oh, must must crack on with work. But for listeners, can you because James and I have had a sneak preview of the book, can you tell us a bit more about your Croatian heritage?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um my my parents were born in Croatia. Um were actually ethnic Serbs from mm. a from a region called Lika, uh, which is right in the middle of, of Croatia and it's it's quite uh, Quite sparsely populated, and my my parents left. Uh, my father left in 1944 to come to Britain, and my mother came in 1955 also to Britain. And um, yeah, so I I first went in 1976 when my parents um, shipped me off for, for the summer, yeah. and uh, on my own and with um, aunt and uncle. I met like once before. And to say I was a fish out of water <laughs> was an understatement. <laughs> um, it was, it was quite a. It was initially very traumatic because I was a, a spoilt little princess, and uh, living in a mm-hmm. mountainous village in the middle of nowhere with primitive plumbing, and um, <laughs> I thought I'd spoken the language. It was actually my 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 cradle tongue, and then I realised how much English had crept into my Serbian over the years. I was only mm-hmm. eleven at the time, so I hadn't had that many years of speaking only English. But uh, but my my language was just peppered with with English, and uh, so I had problems understanding people and being understood, and uh, and I was just a sport little brat, really. Uh, it was all just <laughs> it was just a bit too much. And uh, but eventually, actually, only after a few weeks, I I I just fell into it. I fell in love with the landscapes. I mm-hmm. fell in, I I loved my aunt and uncle. They were just incredibly loving and patient. With me and and very kind because I was so I was so homesick. It was such a different environment, mm. and, and I met so many of my cousins and more aunts and uncles and and just roaming free in this beautiful landscape. And it was um, it was actually it was one of those unforgettable summers. And since then I've been hadn't been able to go back until two thousand and four. Oh, wow. uh, and yes, I know. Well, various you know warm mm. uh, and uh, and yeah. work and what have you and uh, yeah. And I was able to go back. And then since then, I've been going back regularly. And each chapter of my book, um, each part of it uh, details each visit to to Lika since then. And until my last one, which was in 2019, um, I had intended to go uh, after that. But unfortunately, a thing called this pandemic came along. Ah, yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just this tiny little thing. Yeah, Yeah. Little hindrance. Yes, um, although
2: I have actually been back to Croatia um, several times, I just haven't able to be able to go back to uh, to Lika itself. Mm. Mm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you obviously kind of know Lika the best, but actually, kind of which other parts of Croatia have you travelled to? Have you travelled throughout the whole country pretty regularly?
2: Pretty much so. Yes, I think the, I think the place I've been to most often after Lika is Djibovnik,
1: Um mm.
2: and that whole southern Dalmatian coast and the islands and. Uh, I, I, I adore Dubrovnik. It is completely bonkers when it's full season and you've got the cruise ships and you've got ten thousand people, you know, filling yeah. the old town every day. Um, and I've I had the pleasure of going there uh, in twenty twenty when there was nobody.
0: Oh wow! Oh. Because of
2: the pandemic, wow. it was ex- absolutely extraordinary. they there was still there was grass that was growing between the cobbles because there wasn't any footfall and uh and i fell back in love with it after that i it has actually got much busier since then yeah, um, of course but, of course uh, <laughs> yes yeah yes. but all the all the the neighboring islands um the Elefiti islands are absolutely beautiful yet is beautiful as well um everyone goes for day trips to liet national park but the other half of the island is so much quieter and um, and it's just so green and, and mm. mountainous,
1: mm. absolutely beautiful place. I've, I, I've been to Dubrovnik a couple of times, almost accidentally. I've passed through it once as well. And uh, yeah, the, you've got a lot of Game of Thrones fans. You've got a lot of tours and stuff going on. You've got uh, uh, which, which for like quite a small, uh, really well preserved city, is quite it's quite an undertaking to take on and stuff. But it's it's stunning. And I remember like kind of like deliberately leaving the airbnb at like five in the morning just to try and see it empty and actually it's just amazing when you actually go around it it's really cool sorry that was a bit (laughs) that was a bit of an aside
0: (laughs) Mary you you sort of I I mean I have to say you really bring sort of your relatives to life like your aunt and uncle you really um your your love translates to the page but what if you could summarize what it is about Croatia that you do adore can can you summarize that or is that an impossible question.
2: Um, it, oh, it's, it's so much of it. Um, the landscapes, the, it's, its natural beauty is, yeah. is absolutely wonderful and mesmerising, and I never, ever, ever get bored of it. And also, this people's innate hospitality, Mm. You know, you you do get everywhere. Everywhere you go, people are just so hospitable. They you can't go anywhere without being invited in and being fed and being watered. And uh, and it's just that that um, they they just really love to be around people. And and you can't even um, go through the door without being asked. You know, are you hungry? What can we yeah. feed you? Can you yeah. stay for lunch? <laughs> and uh, and that's just one of those things I, I love. Mm. How mm. did you
0: find the book writing process? Like, When did you start writing the uh,
2: book? <clears throat> well, 2009, uh, I had taken the, um, the central part of the book with my mother, the road trip that we did, which yes. was a bit of a disaster in some ways because my mother was um, very difficult and I wasn't handling it well. Um, and I had initially had the idea of doing the book just purely on that, on, on that road trip and, and the previous, you know, previous mm. journeys as well. And I'd, I'd actually written about twenty five thousand words, and um, and it, it didn't quite work. And then I shelved it. And it was only in twenty nineteen that I uh, I met uh, the man who became my agent, and we were talking about Lika and my travels and whatever. And then decided that the whole you know from nineteen seventy six to twenty nineteen that whole thing could then make a good book. And he took he took me on, which was brilliant. And. Uh, and I then wrote a few more, you know, I actually wrote the the opening chapters and then rejigged the one I had really done in 2009. And, uh, and that then got submitted. And, um, and finally, when, when Brat said yes, and I had a very, very mm-hmm. short deadline because I had <laughs> literally three months to finish writing the books. I had oh. another 50,000 of words to, to write. And like most journalists, if you've got, a deadline then you meet it and if you don't have a deadline then you never get round to writing it um and uh, and like everybody else I spent lockdown writing a book there's yeah. a shock and um so I just had to just focus on it and just put everything away and uh and just write it and I actually it was it was I loved doing it because mm-hmm. unlike with with newspaper and magazine features where you're very you know you have a very tight word count and I essentially had I could go up to eighty thousand words if I wanted. To. I think I was about seventy-seven thousand in the end, and I just had this freedom to write, mm. and and I it was I absolutely loved it. I had no constraints, and um, apart from my own editorial process, and uh, and it was um it was actually a really a joyous thing to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um I, like it's a really strange thing travel. Like certainly the travel writers I talked to in the pandemic, where it was actually kind of. Obviously quite a tough time work-wise, but actually quite a nice time to like step back, look at your kind of like, past history with travel your relationship with it the freedom offered by it all of that kind of stuff and uh and kind of relive it in a way and take it take a breath and i was going to say uh mary that like croatia itself it's obviously it's well visited now it's kind of come it's it's more than come up as a tourist destination in uh in the past sort of 20 30 years or so um and you know a lot of people go there for beaches a lot of people go there for islands etc but it's quite it's quite a diverse country in terms of it's a really long, thin country, right? And in the North, you've kind of got almost Italian, um, Central European influences. In the South, it's much more aligned with like Eastern Europe and 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 closer to uh, Venetian history and things like that. Um, that's quite a lot to grab into experiences of a book and stuff and, and, and into one place as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. It, it, it is... If you look at Croatia's history, it's been – I mean, everybody has been there at some point. Um, yeah. mm. Ancient, The ancient yeah. Greeks, the Romans, um, Byzantines, um, the Hungarians, and yeah. then the Venetians, and then the Austrians and the French at one point. And uh, it didn't actually become uh, – it, it was still part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire until the end of the First World War, 1918. Mm. So you had so many different influences. I mean, yes, if you go to the northern part, um, north of Zagreb and, and going east towards Serbia, it's very Hungarian. And, uh, and then mm. Zagreb is, is very Viennese in a way. And, uh, and then you go, to, uh, and then Istria, obviously, is very Italian. It was part of Italy. And, and of course, all along the Dalmatian coast, it was, um, it was part of Venice. And, uh, and also part of Italy during the Second World War. And so all of these influences—it makes such a fantastic um, mishmash of, of cultures, and, and, mm. and it shows in everything. The architecture—it's um, absolutely fantastic. You've got everything is very Venetian, everything is very very Habsburg, and um, and and it's it's a fantastic mélange of, of everything. And, and the food, of course, that's another big mm. thing. It shows up in the food where you have a lot of. Um, you know, Turkish influences from the Ottoman Empire, mm. uh, very, very Austrian, very, very Italian, and 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 Slavic in general, and um, and it's just a, a brilliant combination. And is as as you say, it's quite a small country.
1: Mm. 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 At the very start of the book, you talk about people being in Lika, uh, and when they're visiting Pleat Beacher National Park. Um, I feel like I've got that wrong but, yeah. <laughs> but oh well never mind um, uh, uh which is one of the really big sites of wonderful national park which um which lots of people go to Croatia to visit um how much kind of of like I don't know kind of how m- misunderstood do you feel Croatia is or like kind of how uh how much more is there to explore for tourists there
2: so much more, so much more. Um, within, I mean, plate pizza is the biggest draw in Lika, and it's pretty mm. much people consider it to be the only draw because that's what the only place that anyone's ever heard of. Oh, as, as also, um, uh, the village of Smilian is where Nikola Tesla was born.
0: Mm. Yes,
2: and that's mm-hmm. the other big claim to fame for Lika. And uh, so people go down there they, to the village, which is not far from where my family is. I was, and, uh, and there's a museum there. But Plitvice uh, is a massive, massive draw, and it is absolutely mm. beautiful. And the whole industry surrounding it, it just spread further and further away. Because there, and then people then discover all the other rivers they can swim in, little mm. lakes, um, waterfalls. And uh, and that's the thing that, away from Pleat Pizza, I mean, Pleat Pizza itself, if you get away from the really touristy part and you go out in the further reaches of, of the park, which is, you know, where bears live and wolves live, and, and it is absolutely beautiful, and you have to have a better idea of where you're going rather than following the usual, the well-trodden paths um, through, um, through the main part of the park and all the surrounding villages, And, and um, which I was able to do when I went there in 2004... Um, on, a, on a walking holiday with my mother mm-hmm. and uh, we had a fantastic guide um, Natasha and she just knew it so intimately and um, and and then sub- on subsequent visits just exploring the rivers mm. and uh, and swimming in them and and just having a a beautiful time just away from the quite large crowds that yes. are teeming yes. through um, all the time and that and mm. it's you sort of have to get away from that
1: mm. yes Definitely. Cool. Well, that leads us nicely onto our next section, which is the best things to do in Croatia. So a couple of your recommendations uh, from your sort of expert knowledge about the country. Uh, So yeah, let's get to that. So we're going to start the section off with a quick fire tour of the country to get a general sense of Croatia. Uh, so Mary, we're going to name a couple of categories and you have to just suggest just one thing to do. We'll try and keep it to just one thing. I know it's a huge, huge country. It's not going to be comprehensive, but then you get a chance to talk about loads of other stuff after that. So first thing, your favourite thing to see? Waterfalls. Okay. Okay. Ah.
0: Where specifically would you recommend? Ben?
2: Well, um, the Una River has got uh, lo- loads of um, waterfalls there. Absolutely beautiful. And Curaco um, National Park is stunning as well, as well mm. as, as Pleat Beats um, But because it's a karst landscape, there mm. are canyons and waterfalls absolutely everywhere. And those are just beautiful to swim, especially when it gets really, really hot and you just you dive into the water and you just cool off and it's beautiful.
0: Lovely. We're recording this in uh, what has been a very hot week, so that sounds like just what we all need. A cooling dip by a waterfall. So then Mary, your favourite thing to drink or your favourite place to drink, or both? I'm not as strict as James.
2: Schlibovica, right. um, obviously. Plum brandy. <laughs> oh,
0: plum brandy, lovely. Absolutely, Excellent.
2: yes. Yeah, Everyone has fruit trees, everyone has orchards, and everyone makes um brandies of you know whatever whatever you have growing in your garden and uh, and it's a staple drink
0: i think in your book you said the first time you had it you were like you know what is this but now yeah <laughs> 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 awful but now uh, do you have some at home? Oh, yes, You're of course. In- 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 <laughs> Excellent.
1: Oh, do you now make your own? If you, <laughs> no,
2: uh... no, I don't, I don't have any plum trees and they're, they're not quite the right, they don't grow the right plums in this country. Right. Um, the ones that you have in, in Croatia are more like damsons and, mm, uh, mm. and it's a very specific breed that you've You, know, you don't have the, the big round Victoria plums and things. And it's a di- different one, so gotcha. it wouldn't work.
1: Cool. Great. Amazing. So this is a really tricky one. Your favourite thing to eat?
2: Hmm. Yes. I'm, can, I, can, I, can I name two?
1: Yes. <laughs> go, go for it, go for it. Yes, <laughs> one, don't of
2: worry. Is, one of them is a really bog-standard thing. It's like saying my favourite thing to eat is a burger, but it's called shavapcici, which are these little um, risoles made of meat, and, uh, and nice and spicy, and they're normally eaten in a sort of fluffy flatbread called lepinja, And you have, you have with that some very finely chopped onions and uh, a red pepper relish called ivard. Mm. and you have all that mashed together in this beautiful kebab and I absolutely love that and normally you have them char-grilled and the other thing I like to eat is actually a style of cooking called apeka. And apeka is a peka and a peka is a cast iron bell-shaped pot and you put it on an open on a, on a fire so it's, it's sitting in the embers and then inside you put lamb shanks or veal shanks or um, octopus as well
1: yeah. and,
2: um, and bread, you can bake bread in it and then you put the lid on top and there's a little, a little rim around it and, uh, and then you pile the embers on top of that. So you've actually created an oven mm. and, and it cooks for hours and it's so incredibly succulent and gorgeous because and, everything is cooked together with it, potatoes, carrots, so w- w- whatever other veg you want to have with it. And it's just absolutely beautiful and it's such a rustic thing and I, I love it.
1: So all the flavours kind of intermingle. Everything kind of comes together. Is that in a specific region or in a all kind of throughout the country? Uh,
2: well, it's more popular in some regions than others. I mean, you have it a, a lot in Lika and mm-hmm. um, and in certain places like in the in the in the hills above Dubrovnik, you can still find places that do it. You find octopus um, cooked in a um along the coast as well. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of course. Brilliant. Lovely. And then your
2: favourite day activity, Mary. Oh, swimming in the Adriatic. Perfect. <laughs> Definitely. You have that, no, the water you is need, so
1: clear. Don't need to say anything more. That's, no, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> wonderful answer.
1: And okay, your uh, final one of the quickfire round, your favourite museum or gallery?
2: I'm a big fan of uh, the Croatian um, artist Ivan Meshtevich, and he has several galleries. He has one in his old ho- home in Zagreb, but the Meshtevich Gallery in Split is mm. the building is as beautiful as a yard inside and it was built as a summer home and it's the, the sculptures are absolutely actually mesmerizing and compelling and then you get the view from the windows of the sea and uh, the combination of the two is lovely It's also a nice way to get away from split it's very very busy because it's such a it's a jumping off point um, for all yes. the all the ferries and, and whatever, and cruises, and but this is slightly to the west of the whole port area, and it's quiet, and there's a lovely beach, a few Perfect. minutes walk as well. So
1: you Perfect. can do your swim afterwards. Absolutely,
2: uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: have a plum brandy. Um, that's lovely. And actually, Mary, you've led me on perfectly to my next question because you've mentioned there Dubrovnik and Split. So I mean, these are the cities that get a lot of the glory. How about other Croatia? What other Croatian cities deserve some some
2: love? Zagreb, the capital. Zagreb. Yes, yeah. definitely. It's I love Zagreb. It's it's such a it's so laid back in so many ways and and, and I see, you know, they really do give Vienna a run for the money with with the whole cafe culture. Mm. I mean they yeah. and and it's proper cafe culture. They don't sit they, there's no Starbucks. Mm. And they don't sit there with the laptops. They all sit there and gossip and have a, you know, have a lingering coffee. And, uh, and the architecture is beautiful. You know, the upper town you know, dating in the Middle Ages and the sort of 19th century lower town. And um, the museums are fantastic there as well. And just the whole atmosphere and the restaurants are brilliant. Really, really good food scene. And um, another city is um, Shibinik, which mm. is, again, it's people sort of use it. They might pop in if they're going to Kuroko National Park yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't, they might do a quick tour of it, but it's a beautiful city. And uh, and they've got um, several um, old um, forts, which are you get fantastic views. One of them is uh, is used as a, as a concert venue as well. And, uh, and a beautiful open-air um, venue. And, and you have the, the Adriatic down below, and, and you're sitting there watching a concert, and it's a beautiful place. And um, Rijeka as well. That's another underrated city, and that was the capital of culture two years ago. Yes,
1: and yeah, um, yeah, it was. Yeah.
2: yeah, and unfortunately they didn't quite, <laughs> so many of the events that they had to do it online because of the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. Ah, yeah. And uh, Rijeka is, it's fascinating history, absolutely fascinating. Um, and pretty much everyone's been there as well. And uh, and they've got such a, a gritty spirit. And um, and again, you've got the wonderful Habsburg um, main uh, thoroughfare, the, the, the Corso, full, filled with cafes and, and people just walking and drinking coffee and... and and uh, and just enjoying life. Lovely. Wonderful. Sold.
0: I've, also, I've only ever been to Pula. That's the only, I'm, I'm afraid to say, that's the only place in Croatia that I've been to. And I found, much like we've discussed, I found Pula fascinating because it obviously is very Italian. Um, the food was very Italian and it's got the, uh, it's one of the few remaining Roman amphitheatres. And exactly as you're saying, it then had the sea nearby, which was just gorgeous to have a dip in. Um, So I just, I feel, I feel for Croatia because I just think Dubrovnik gets so much attention and there's obviously so many other amazing cities that people should be exploring. Mm
1: -hmm, Definitely. I might go a bit off piste here, Mary, but um, I wanted to know about a little bit about kind of um sort of neighboring countries around Croatia as well. Because as you if you as you've kind of like hinted, um, you know, there's there's a lot of like Serb ethnic Serbs in Croatia, uh the relationship with Bosnia as well, where there's lots of people come and go across the border. And a couple of years ago, me and some friends did like a cycling trip from Dubrovnik to Mostar, um, along the sort of old uh sort of uh, it was like an old railway line um and through the through the hills around there. And it is stunning, but you see like every single village has a different kind of like Almost uh, nationality in a way. There's Croatian villages, there's Bosniak villages, there's Serbian villages, etc. Um, but yeah, the surrounding countries kind of also define Croatia in some ways, right?
2: Definitely yes. In fact, um, Bosnia. I love Bosnia. It, it, mm. It's it's so beautiful and, uh, it's and stunning. It's, it's it, a, is, uh, it is. It is, and and it's so easy. In fact, there are times when, when to get from certain parts of Croatia to the south, you actually go through Bosnia, much easier than actually going through Croatia. Mm. And uh, and it, again, it's it's just it's more mountain than anything else, and it's yes. absolutely beautiful. And Sarajevo is one of my favourite cities, and uh, and it's and also the the Una National Park, the Una River is forms a natural border between Croatia and Bosnia,
0: mm. and
2: but the national park is actually on the Bosnian side, and um, and that's a wonderful place, definitely a wonderful place to go to. And then you've got um, Slovenia, and yes. uh, which mm. is again very easy. You fly into Ljubljana, exquisite city, absolutely beautiful mm, place, mm. and it's only a few hours' drive into into Croatia. And there are times when it's actually easier to do that than to fly into Croatia itself. And um, Hungary, I've done quite a few trips. We started in Budapest, and then you know did a did a, did a whole circuit, and uh, and then you've got um, Serbia, obviously on on the the um, the, the northeastern side, and uh, I've gone back and forth on that motorway so more times I can count <laughs> and, and so and I, I, my, my, I go there all the time my family is in Belgrade and uh, I absolutely love it and, uh, and then on the south um, in, is Montenegro and so that's people pop into Montenegro when they go to Dubrovnik a lot and, um, and Montenegro is beautiful the, the coast is very very built up but mm. if, you, if you, it doesn't take long to get away from it and you go to Lake Skadar, which is a beautiful place and into the mountains and the national parks there, and uh, so there's an, the whole region. There's so much to see. Have I left anyone out? Um, <laughs> I'm not
1: sure. Look, I think you've covered quite a lot of the yeah, a lot yeah. around it, but but yeah, I think you're, you're totally right in terms of it. Really surprised me how mountainous it is in like or like well, hilly and mountainous in. It's, it's just as you come in from that coast, you literally come in from. Dubrovnik, which is like flat as a pancake. And then suddenly, (laughs) it's a really steep ascent. And suddenly you're in, it's almost like the Dolomites or something. It's like a a really, really stunning kind of area. It really, really surprised me when I went there as well. Um, And finally, on this kind of section, and you kind of hinted at it, there's lots in the book as well about it, but some of Croatia's best kept secrets.
2: Well, there are quite a few of them, actually. Um, one of my a beautiful island that often gets overlooked, even though it's right in front of Split, is Sholta. Mm.
0: Sholta.
2: Yeah, okay. and it's a, it's a beautiful place. And, it, I mean, it, it does obviously I mean people, people in Split have second homes there. Um, mm. But generally, it, it's not nearly as busy as Burach and Khvar, uh, and because everyone goes to Khvar, especially Khvar town. And, um, and that's a really underrated island. And also um, some of the nature parks, um, Uchka Nature Park, which overlooks Opatia um, okay. in the Kavana Gulf. But the whole Kavana area, um, it's not secret amongst other Europeans because um, everyone from Czech Republic, Slovakia, um, Austria, Germany, Italy, they all drive into mm. that region because it's much easier for them, for them to visit, and, uh, but not as, not as many Brits. And uh, yes, and there's also the, um, the Dinara Nature Park, which is um, not far from Knin. Uh, again, in this in the northern um, northern Dalmatian region, and the, um, where they have the um, the source of the uh, Tsetina River, which is an absolutely beautiful place. And actually, the Una, the source of the Una, which is just down the road from my uncle's house, <laughs> um, <laughs> the most amazing shade of tur- turquoise. You just can't quite believe in it. it go, it's so deep and it's so ice icy cold which you don't swim in it. Um <laughs> I'm just thinking of some other other ones. I think yes, I think the um I think the uh, the, the the national parks and nature parks that aren't the obvious ones. People do go to Pliepi so they go to Kurika. Riet National Park, as I said earlier, is absolutely beautiful, but you go to the other end of the island and it's not as not nearly as busy. Not busy at all. Um, and uh, and the and uh in the northern uh, northeastern part, um, which is all marshlands and wetlands, and and uh, you just take a slow boat through the waterways and just feel time slow
1: down completely.
2: Wonderful. Sounds,
1: sounds wonderful. Excellent. So. Yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, there were so many, so many hidden gems. <laughs> <married. Lucky listeners. laughs> I feel like I should have been taking notes. I definitely should have been taking notes really. <laughs> anyway, listener, uh, we're going to move on to talk a little bit about uh, sort of creation in recent times and kind of crucially like when to plan your visit. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until
0: you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Mary, you touched on it a little bit, uh, uh, particularly around Dubrovnik and not uh, being able to go in the pandemic and it being completely, completely dead. But how has Croatia sort of changed in the, in the past couple of years? How has it dealt with the pandemic as well?
2: Well, in, um, early on, it clamped down very heavily. And uh, mm. and so it it tried it did try to stem it and um, and it, it's had it's had a um, its share of, of cases in spite of that and unfortunately the, the vaccination take up is not as good as it should be mm. um, but and and they've they've um, it was only recently that they stopped having people wearing masks in in shops and 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 all that mm. I was there um, in um, in July and in the place called Trogir which is again very close to Split. And it was like the pandemic never happened. Absolutely thronging with people, and quite a few people wearing masks. It was a, it was a tourist. but you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't know um, that mm. the pandemic had happened. And I think um, tourist numbers have been they're pretty much as they were in 2019. In some areas, oh, wow. in some areas even higher because there's a lot of pent up demand yeah. and um, people being desperate to go. And and some people never never stop going. You know, as I said, mm. people people in neighbouring countries they've been able to go and um so it's it's pretty much picked up where it left off
1: and i I know our our eyewitness guide to croatia is like one of our best sellers of the summer it's just like raced off the shelves and i think um yeah that just shows the kind of demand i I don't know i think a lot like got talked about about croatia during the pandemic is just a place that People wanted to go visit um, Croatia, Greek islands, just like idyllic places, so different to Britain <laughs> that people were yes. desperate to visit. And uh, it's it's lovely to see people going back there as well.
0: And um, Mary, when would you recommend people go? Is there a, a time of year that that's your sort of favourite
2: time yes, to go to Croatia? definitely. September. It's just mm. the best month to go. You've had the entire summer to warm up the seas and to keep them warm. You still have temperatures I've been there when it was like 35 degrees and uh, wow. and but you haven't got the school you haven't got the school crowds you haven't got the the, the summer holidays are over and uh, when that's the time when it's my favorite time to go and um, and you still have some festivals going on obviously you know the, the huge dance music festivals that happen all throughout uh, well June July and August now mm. Um, mm. but there's still some smaller little village festivals going on and it's lovely going in June as well and uh, but this year, um, because they had an extra whole month of unseasonably hot weather, they've had a very long season. So June nice. became very, really quite busy, and I imagine it'll carry on into September as well, but, um, but that's my favourite time. There's also a change in the light. You still have very lovely, long, hot days, but there's that, that sort of glow in the, in, the, in the sky that you don't have in, the high, in high summer
1: it just kind of it, it comes like sunset comes a bit earlier it's uh yeah yeah i can i i, I was there in september one on the beginning of this cycle ride and uh yeah it was still 30 degrees or so but it was like kind of like lovely kind of crisp evenings as well Ooh. and i think you kind of miss that in the summer yeah. um and you talked a little bit about events um are there anything any exciting events to kind of mark on the calendar coming up in uh in the near future
2: um, well, as I said, there are a few sort of little... Uh, we were in, um, in the island of uh, Loshin a few years ago, and in Mali, Loshin, they have a, a little um, marine festival, a maritime festival, where they have... Uh, it's all seafood, and the fishermen, they, um, they just fry their, their, their fish and, uh, and, and cook the mussels right all, all along the harbour. And, uh, and I never, I'm not sure which day in September it's in, but it, it's, it's a fantastic festival. Um, October, you start looking at, um, in Istria, they have a lot of food festivals, truffles mm. particularly. Um, and then in Dubrovnik, there's a good food festival in October as well. And, uh, and December is um, Zagreb's Advent Market, which is one of the best Christmas mm. markets on the planet. Ah. It's absolutely fantastic. It is spread all around the city, at least at least a dozen, 14, 15 um, markets Going on, and uh, and it's just it's fantastic. Love it.
1: What makes it so special? What? Uh...
2: Well, it's mainly about food. Um, I mean, you, you can buy <laughs> you know the usual Christmas market trinkets, but because it's it's almost like having a city full of pop-ups. Mm. I mean, oh, absolutely, lovely. absolutely everywhere. Every park, every square, um, every like even tunnels. They've got it's just full of stalls, and um, about eighty percent of them selling selling food. And, uh, and not just from the region, you know, have people from Dubrovnik coming, making their, making their dishes and people from, there's a Lika stall and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and it's just like having the most civilised street party for an entire month. Because it, it goes on until, I think, the um, 6th of January.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, I, I, yeah I've, I've heard about, I've, I've heard it recommended as a kind of like Christmas market before. And it's just not where you think... It would be right, but Mm -hmm. as you say, I guess yeah. Zagreb is like kind of is Viennese in some ways. Maybe we shouldn't be that surprised.
0: (laughs) And then finally, Mary, as your book is out today, we wondered whether you'd be so kind as to end this podcast episode with a with a reading for our listeners.
2: I'd love to. Yes, wonderful. I'll just give some context to it. Um, This this Mm. uh, this is the end of um, the first part where I uh, spent that that um, unforgettable summer of 1976. My summer in Yugoslavia was ending, one that started so inauspiciously yet became something to treasure always. I said my tearful goodbyes to my newfound family and was driven to Zagreb. I had one evening in the Croatian capital, the only memory of which was walking along the market stalls of Srozmaja Promenade in the upper town and buying a copy of Abba's Mamma Mia. Then I flew home and forgot to speak English for a while, I babbled away in Serbian before eventually speaking English with a Serbian accent. I called my father Tata instead of the usual Daddy and tears came to his eyes. The Yugoslavia left behind in 1976 was an illusion, with an economy propped up by foreign loans that gave a false picture of prosperity. Yugoslavs had the freedom to travel, which made them the envy of the neighbours who were corralled into the Soviet bloc. But they also had political prisoners and purges, state-sanctioned murders, secret police, corruption, corruption, and a president whose death, four years later, was the beginning of the end of Yugoslavia.
1: Thank you so much, Mary. That, that was uh, that was brilliant to hear from the book. So the book is out now, right? I believe we on the day that this episode is actually coming out is the day where your book is coming out into the world, published by the wonderful people at Pratt. Um So you can go find that, I guess, in all good bookshops, right?
2: Yes, yeah, so you can find it in. Uh, we well, can find it online at Bratt, and you can find it in W. H. Smith. In uh, in Blackwell's, in Waterstones, and uh, and online as well. If you want to order through Amazon, and uh, also bookshop.org, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. want to use your independent bookseller, and you can go on there. And um, and if you want to find out more details, you can if you go to my Twitter page, yeah. which is Nabakovich, and you'll see my link tree um link that has all of the different websites that are
1: offering the book well i I highly highly recommend the book we've we've had a sneak preview this week (laughs) so um and it's been wonderful to kind of hear about your kind of journey your personal relationship with the country and actually hear about it on the podcast today so thank you very very much for that and thank you very much for sharing your expertise and joining us today and uh yeah thank you so much
2: thank you for having me it's been a pleasure
1: absolutely So a huge thank you to Mary. Uh, as she just said, you can kind of follow all of her adventures, exploits, writing, etc., by following her on Twitter at Mary underscore Novakovich. And very excitingly, the book will be out today. Yeah. Uh, so sorry to ruin the magic of the podcast. We are recording this a few weeks beforehand. <laughs> but very, very excited. Uh, as I said, me and Lucy got a sneak peek. Uh, at the book but i'm very excited to get my hands on actually
0: yeah package. the hard copy yes um and mary really sort of whetted uh listeners appetites hopefully with that wonderful oh, brilliant yeah um, wonderful and it's it's a really really great read as i said i found it actually really hard to put down um mary's sort of history is is just yeah wonderful really interesting so definitely go get the book listeners
1: yes absolutely so Lucy, where are we going on our next episode?
0: We're going very excitedly to Marrakesh.
1: Excellent, excellent. So we're going with uh, Amanda Mutaki, who originally was brought up in the States and yeah. then moved to Marrakesh about a decade or so ago. Yeah, started hers-
0: business there
1: has really become like kind of embraced the culture, has multiple different ventures kind of celebrating Marrakesh. She is the the person to go to. Um, So very, very excited about that. So you can join us for that in a fortnight, listener. And until then, we shall see you very soon.
0: See you soon. Where To Go was produced by the team at DK Witness and the wonderful Julia Baker. It was presented by James Atkinson and Lucy Richards and mastered by Johnny Coddington at Bottle Rocket Recording. For more information about DK Eyewitness, follow us on social media at DK Eyewitness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness.
1: And don't forget to please like, rate, review and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. Your support means so much to us.